just you know just don't just don't take the uh, the first no for an answer. So we threw that um, that bank out of the out of the mix, got a new lender involved, and it came back with the appraisal of. You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Hey, Equity family. Welcome to another show of the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. And on today's show, I have two very special guests. I have Alex Capazzolo and John Sanborn. And these guys are doing some things in Philly um, that you really need to be mindful of. You really need to uh, hear from them. So without further delay, I'll let each person introduce yourself. So Alex, give us a brief introduction, man, without going too far into your history. And then I'll do the same for John. And then that way we can uh, start this conversation off so the, so the listeners can have your backstory. Sure. Well, what's up, everyone? My name's Alex. I live out in California right now. I'm uh, near the Bay Area in Santa Cruz, but grew up with John, who's the other guy in the podcast with me. So we, uh, we'll try not to make this a, a bromance of a podcast, but we <laughs> are like literally best friends. I just got engaged and he's going to be my best man at my wedding and we're partners and we do business together. So it's been pretty magical and amazing how easy it's been. Uh, but uh, so we, we went to school in Philly together. We went to Temple University. And uh, mm-hmm. after that, I moved out to California, started getting into real estate, didn't work out here. And then we, uh, John was doing it out in Philadelphia and we decided to try it out there together. And that's what we're doing now. Okay, all right, good, good. All right, John, let's hear your backstory real briefly, man. Okay, yeah, so as Alex said, best friends forever. Um, when he, when we graduated, he moved to California. I actually moved to um, Connecticut for a short amount of time and then um, moved back to Philly. And then that's when I started getting into real estate. So that was like the uh, beginning of 2017. Okay. So you guys, so what was your inspiration on getting started and starting Brotherly Love here well there in in, uh, Philly? Well, it's it's nice with John and I, because we have the same goals. So if you're ever doing a partnership with someone, that's like, if, if those goals are different and that big why is different, it's really, really tough to continue together <clears throat> and have that partnership work. So luckily we, we share the same goal of just financial independence. We want more time. So we're trying to create that passive income today. So then later on in life, we can enjoy our time more pretty much. Okay. So who started first? Was it you, Alex, or was it you, John? I, I guess it was almost at the same time in a weird way. So it all started when I first moved to California. I guess we could even take a step back before that. Uh, in Philadelphia, I had to get a, an internship during college. And I was trying to decide which one, you know, the college provides a list of a couple mm-hmm. different ones you can choose from. And one of them was to work for a real estate investor in Philadelphia. Okay. And I was like, oh, real estate sounds cool. I don't know anything about it, but uh, might as well try it out. So I uh, gave it a shot, worked for, for, for free for that guy for about two months or so, just doing admin stuff, helping him out with his website, okay. running used to people, nothing too in the weeds. Um, but what that guy sent me <clears throat> was an email. And in the email, he had a PDF of an electronic book, like an ebook, right? Mm-hmm. And... I pushed it off, never read it, never read it. Eventually, a couple months down the road, moved to California and didn't know anyone out here. So this was after college that so I decided to move out here. And I was like, I think that email is still sitting in my inbox. Uh-huh. So one night I took a look, read the book, and the book was, you might be able to guess it, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yep, yep. So 
Uh, I think I read it in like three days. And this is when I was not a reader, like at all. Didn't like reading. I'd rather be outside, kicking a soccer ball around, throwing a Frisbee, doing something like that. And <laughs> it was like a Friday night. And I called John after a couple drinks, a couple of beers. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, John, you have to read this book. <laughs> so shortly after I finished the book, I... It was a random Friday night and had a couple drinks, maybe a beer or two. And I, at that point, I was not a reader at all. So I uh, didn't like reading, but I was so excited about this book that I literally called John that night. And I was like, dude, you have to read this book. Uh, and I think we probably both read it within a couple of days after that. And that started us on our real estate journeys. So yeah. go ahead, it was. John. It was weird hearing from Alex because I was working um, my job right out of college and I had to get up, up at like four in the morning job at 5 a.m. And um, so that's when Alex called me. It was like the end of the night for him and the beginning of my morning for him because he was on California time and I was in Connecticut on the East Coast. So when he's like, you have to read this book, you have to read this book. I was like, this does not sound like Alex. Alex, I know. Like, <laughs> this must be a pretty good book. I should probably, you know, actually pick this up. And then, yeah, we both flew through that book. And then it was kind of like really, you know, piqued our interest and got us started. Yeah, I keep it. I keep, well, as you can see, I got it on my shelf back here. I keep it uh, every year. I make sure I read it just to, just to reinvigorate me and keep me going. So uh, you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So what happened next? So that was your inspiration. Um, what happened next, Alex? Because I know you took some, you took some major failures in, in California. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I was working a, just a random job that I got out of college, working for a tech company. Um, and, but at the same time on the side, I was reading as much as I could, trying to gain that knowledge, but also trying not to experience analysis paralysis, which I'm sure a lot of us have heard of. Mm-hmm. And I was on bigger pockets a lot, just trying to connect with people. I connected with this one guy who was living in Kansas and was doing some real estate. I think he was doing some wholesaling out there. And we were talking and he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to move to the Bay Area in California. And that's pretty much where I lived at that point. So I was like, all right, well, let me know when you're out here. We can get coffee. And you know, connect and you'll be new to the area. I'm kind of newer to the area and we could chat from there. So he came out, he told me what he was doing in Kansas, which was basically wholesaling. And I was like, all right, I think I want to try this out here. So started writing letters, handwriting, writing them, Mm -hmm. had no budget or capital really. And I think I was still in credit card debt at that point, just from not really having much money in college. And was handwriting letters, pulled, you know, pulled a list of absentee owners, hand wrote the letters, sent them out. And we eventually got our first deal together, um, me and him. And I, did, I didn't know anything about handling the process, how to you know, work with the seller, get a buyer's list. I didn't know any of that stuff. So, so let's go back real quick, Alex, because you gave a lot. So where did you find the leads at? So where did you get your leads from in order to send the direct mail to? We used Property Radar. Okay. So property radar, you found the leads. Uh, was it leads pre-foreclosure, absentee, equity leads? What, what was the criteria on the lead? Do you remember? The two, two pretty easy lists to pull from property radar, at least, which I think is limited to certain states, uh, were both absentee and pre-foreclosure are the ones we targeted. Okay. All right. So you sent out the letter, you got a call. What happened? What, what happened on that phone call? Because I know most people, this is the part of most anxiety is, okay, I send out the letters, somebody calls me, now what do I say? What happened during that conversation? <laughs> well, I probably stuttered a bunch of times. Uh-huh. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> um, and then it was, I was really fortunate since my partner, you know, that, that guy that I was kind of yep. doing this with, who moved to California, he was experienced and had done deals. So I, I just told him that if I found a lead, because I was doing all the marketing myself, I was like, if I find one, we can work it together. So at this point, I was just talking to the seller myself, and I just tried to gather information because I didn't really know what else to do. And I tried to connect with the seller, just human to human, mm-hmm. learn what they were, what was going on, why they actually called me back. I had no idea okay. <laughs> at the time, but just tried to get to know them and their situation. So what, what exactly was the situation, and how did you get that out of them? They, so it was an absentee owner, a landlord, and he lived a couple streets away from this house, but his tenant was just a bad tenant, hadn't paid the rent, 
uh, or was inconsistent with paying the rent and kind of left the house in shambles. So the the landlord just kind of let it go because he didn't know what to do. So. Okay, gotcha. So you got this absentee owner, uh, landlord, born to sell a property. How long did it get, how long did it take for you to either call a seller back or did you just pick up the phone right away? Was the number on the, on the letter directly to your cell phone or did you have it coming into some kind of inbound system? How did that work? Was doing things very grassroots, didn't okay. know uh, any of the systems really, didn't know they existed. So I think it was just to my cell phone. My cell phone probably didn't say any, or my voicemail probably just said, hey, this is Alex, I'll call okay. you back. <laughs> All right. So, um, and that's good. And that's what I tell people. I say, um, you know, some people want to talk to somebody or work with a company that's more professional. And some people just want to work with, you know, hey, just mom and pop, let's talk and let's see what we can do to work this thing out. You know, so I always tell people, yes, handwritten letters work good. And also, you know, you have to diversify and you have to have, you know, sort of a corporate letter also, because each letter may appeal to a different different sellers. So you got this seller, you got them on the hook. I mean, you're trying to reel them in. What do you do? We, well, I had my first meeting with the seller just my, just by myself, just to make sure it was serious. Cause I didn't want to waste my friend's time yep. and got a lot of information from him. Again, just trying to hear this guy out and learn what he's dealing with and see if there's any way we could help. And then we had a second meeting eventually. Then I brought in um, my friend at the time who helped me close the deal. And then we, we got under contract, which, okay. you know, again, this is all so new to me on how this stuff was working. And we got under contract and I was like, all right, what do we do next? And he kind of walked me through that process and we reached out to a ton of buyers. He pulled the so, buyers list. So hold on, hold on, Alex, going back, because I know that a lot of people are going to, going to want to know, okay, Alex this is your first time doing it. Yes, you have a partner that's helping you in the meantime. How did you run the numbers or did you let that partner that was more experienced run all of the numbers and come up with the ARV and finally the offer amount? Yeah, it's a good question. <clears throat> Excuse me. At the time, I didn't know how to run numbers at all, really. So mm -hmm. I think together we just both looked on Zillow and then kind of gave it a shot it work. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's what i tell people some people they are so scared to just jump out there and do it you know i said hey as long as you kind of understand the process the first thing you did that was smart was you pulled in somebody that was a little bit more experienced you know they don't have to have done you know two three four hundred deals as long as they've done a handful of deals and they can understand the process you learn directly from him you know how to understand the process so you guys got it under contract. You figured out the ARV, figured out the rehab amount. You put it out there to the buyers list. What happened? What What did the buyers do? I think we had two or three pretty solid hits, or at least buyers that were interested, and then got it under contract pretty quickly. And from there, it was surprisingly smooth. Okay. Okay. So um, I'm assuming your partner at the time brought in the title company or how did you guys find the title company or the real estate attorney? Yeah, exactly. So he, he kind of brought in all that from just his knowledge working in Kansas city. So he handled that entire thing and okay. then we just split it 50, 50 from there. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So what, what was your commission split on that? How much did you make off of that first deal? Oh my gosh. It was like the most amount of money I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> which, <laughs> I know what, what other guys are doing. It's not huge, huge, but it was pretty good as 50 K was the split. It was the, okay. the wholesale fee. And then we split that together. Hey, that's good on the first deal, especially not knowing anything. You know, most people, they'll stand on the sideline and they say, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Let me try and find a mentor. What you did was say, you know what? I'm going to get out here. I'm going to get started. I'm going to find this mentor. The mentor came and then he was like, all right, let's work it. And you made 25 grand on the back end. Okay, so you got this 25 grand. You still have your partner, uh, John, in Philly. How did you have that failure in California? Because it sounds like, hey, you hit a home run on your first one. What happened? What did you do with the money? Uh, a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. um, a huge learning experience, especially when you – 
you make a big chunk of money in any way when you haven't and you're not used to doing that before and not used to receiving a big chunk at once. So I think I like went to Europe for a week and I bought gifts for people. I also put some back into marketing too. Uh In retrospect, if there's one thing I could change, it was, I wish I would have diversified my marketing more. Okay. Okay. And that's, that's very, very key. That's what I tell people is once you get that big check, I mean, your eyes get glossy get big. Okay. What am I going to do with all of this money? Because you can have the plans before and say, okay, well, when I get this money, I'm going to do this, this, and this. But once that check cashes and clears, you know, you're like, okay, yeah, I like that. I want to get that. But guys, you have to be focused. Don't make the same mistake Alex made (laughs) and the same mistake others made, you know, make sure once you get that money, you automatically allocate quite a bit of it. I normally tell people, allocate 75% of it back into your business. That way you got that momentum. You can keep going. So, um, so learn from Alex. I'm pretty sure, like you said, he put some back into marketing, but he could have did a lot more, you know, if he would have diversified that marketing. So I'm still hearing nothing but success here in California. (laughs) So I guess I, I eventually just ran out of money. So I quit my job after I got that check and I thought I was, rich and I thought I could retire and I clearly couldn't on that amount especially living in California right right so I um I just kept trying to do the same exact marketing so I was hitting the same list I don't even think I re-pulled it to get fresh data and I did this consistently over a couple of months so um that that I think is kind of what bottlenecked the marketing that I was doing but I was really just doing the same thing, just writing mailers. And I think I used a couple mailing services a couple of times just to ramp it up a bit more, but I didn't switch things up enough to, to really give us a better opportunity to get more business. Okay. How many mailers do you think you sent out? Um, maybe 10,000 total, but over the span of like six months. Okay. Well, I mean, that's, it's a small number over a six month period, but still in that six month period, you made $25,000. I mean, that's what you have to have to look at. So, all right. So how did John come into play? Where did John come into play? You guys, you were doing things in California. How did you guys formulate brotherly love in Philly? How did that pivot take place? Yeah. So that was, Alex was doing that when I wasn't really doing too much real estate. So I was, he was doing that wholesale and marketing out there. And I moved back to Philly around that same time, was getting my real estate license online, got licensed, um, mostly just for our own um, investment stuff. But then I was working another job I just hated. So I was like, let me just jump into real estate full time to really learn the business um, transaction side of things. So I was doing residential stuff, I guess, beginning of 2017, um, bought my primary residence to house hack in the spring. And then I identified a deal, um, on auction.com that like late summer. And that was our first, um, deal together. And then we ended up burning that pretty successfully. Okay. So with the auctions.com, how did you guys, first of all, let me go back. So you got your real estate license. Um, that's one of the main questions that people, a lot of people ask, you know, as a wholesaler, as an investor, is it important for me to get my real estate license? What do you say to that, John? I think as an investor, yes. Um, if you're going to wholesale, it's interesting. Um, just because there's a lot of the, like, um, you have to disclose that you're an agent and then there is the aspect of, you know, uh, protecting the seller's best interests. Um, as an agent, but then if you're an investor or a wholesaler, you might not be. So it's just kind of like a gray area. So I think you're just going to wholesale, no to the license. But if you're going to be an investor and the direct buyer, I think it can be very helpful. Okay. So guys, you heard that from John. John's, John's point of view is as an investor, yes. As a wholesaler, no. That's completely up to you. Um, I am a licensed agent. I do wholesale and I am an investor. And one of the things, the caveats that we do when you're wholesaling with the license, one, like John said, is you have to disclose. And then two, you have to make sure you tell that seller, you know, that you're representing the buyer. You're not representing the seller. So that's one of the ways you can get around, you know, that gray area. 
So you have you have them to fill out here in Arizona. They have to fill out the um, unrepresented seller agreement. So they're stating that, hey, that this realtor is not being represented, that I'm not being represented by the realtor. So that's one way. So I am in agreement with John, you know, as an investor, definitely get your license because it puts you in a position to make, you know, certain deals happen and make certain moves happen. So, okay, John. So just wanted to cut in there. Now, as far as this deal on auctions.com, you found it. How did you guys get the finance and the capital? Kind of walk me through that deal. And what, what did Alex do while he's out there in California blowing 25K? <laughs> um, yeah, it was interesting. So I found the deal. I knew it was a deal as soon as I saw it. Um, I talked to my broker, actually, and another person in our office. And we we're like, yeah, let's go in on this deal together. Um, so won the deal on auction.com. And then I was like, holy crap, I need like, I forget what it was. I think like 60K. I was like, I need 60K now. I don't have. So mm -hmm. I was like, I, I got to go raise money. So I was trying to raise money, um, striking out. And then, you know, Alex at this time, I think was still trying to wholesale in California. Maybe he got his real estate license as well. Um, so okay. I think I just asked him, I was like, hey, you know, do you want to help me raise money for this? I'll give you a third of my share or I'll split, I'll split my share, which was a third. So we had a very small uh, equity standpoint and interest in the property but we just wanted to do a deal so bad um, and then learn from that. So um, that's how we pulled that off. Alex ended up raising uh, our third of the capital to do the, to do the uh, to deal, to buy, you know, purchase and renovation. Okay. So Alex was able to come up with 20 K um, for you guys to, to get into this deal. Um, let's see, Alex, how did you raise the capital? What did you do? Yeah, it was actually 60K. So our third represented oh, 60K. Oh, your third represented 60K. Okay. Yeah. Sorry so, about that. Still tough either way, though, because both of us had zero money. But like John said, we just wanted a deal so bad. And you're reading about, you know, everyone doing the Burr method and it's so sexy and so easy. Right. But, you know, as you go through the motions, it's, it's not. Yeah. Uh, not at first, at least. So uh, John and I were just trying to brainstorm clever ideas to find money somewhere mm -hmm. we went on google we created a google drive together which we still use together today for our business which is funny um, and we made a powerpoint that we both edited and we outlined everything that's going on the philadelphia market this deal in particular comps why it made sense for someone to give us that 60k we went through every single thing and tried to answer every question that we thought investors could want and then our, our strategy from there, once we had the, um, once we had the, the slideshow ready, was just send it to everyone. <laughs> you guys just sent, them, sent the link in an email or how did you do it? Yeah, I, pretty much. We, we had the Google Drive is pretty friendly, so you can you know, get a shareable right. link of anything that you create there. And we, we would text people to kind of put out feelers who we thought mm -hmm. might have money or might know someone who has money. And then if they wanted to learn more, we would send them the presentation. And then the third step after that, if they wanted to have a really detailed conversation about how to be involved in this investment with us, then we would talk to them about it. But our, the way that we set it up um, was that whoever were to, were to give us this 60K, we would just pay them, I think it was 10% interest. So we'd pay them 60K plus, plus another six grand or so roughly. Okay. okay. So um, guys, um, that was very, very ingenious to do. I think there were a few SEC laws that may have been broken at the time uh, <laughs> because uh, without going into the legalities, um, you guys definitely were able to get it done. But whenever you're looking for, for private money, especially with people that you don't have a prior relationship with, um, the SEC has some strict rules about that. But Hey, that's water under the bridge. You guys got it done. You made it happen. Just a, a caution of warning in, in the future. Um, so you guys raised the, raised the money. Was it from one person or was it from multiple people? How, how was it done? It was from one person. And what I recommend if anyone is just trying to raise capital for anything, a good way to say it in a soft way or ask people is even if you're uncomfortable about, about asking for money, which we definitely were. 
Um, mm-hmm. A nice way to say it is, hey, if, if you're interested or even if you know anyone who's interested in XYZ investment or something like that along those okay. lines to kind of make it a softer approach. But we ended up getting it from, uh, from a family friend who I didn't even ask them directly if they mm-hmm. wanted to go in on it with us. I just said, do you know anyone? And then they said, well, actually, we, uh, we might be interested ourselves. And I was like, oh, my gosh, really? <laughs> Perfect. Hey, that's the, that's the power of just asking. You know, a lot of people get stuck, you know, because they say, well, I don't know anybody, but they don't go out and ask. You know, you have to ask and you just never know what happens. So you guys got the 60K. You're doing this bird deal. It was in Philly. So, so what was it? It was a unit mix. How many units was it? Or was it a single family? What was the asset? So it was three units, a uh, two-bedroom, a one-bedroom, and a one-bedroom. It was in um, like a middle-class neighborhood, kind of an appreciating neighborhood. Um, a lot of electrical and plumbing were done, so it was a more, more cosmetic job. We did um, floors, paint, new kitchens, new bathroom, um, a little bit of electrical, a little bit of plumbing, a roof, and new, uh, new HVAC. Okay. Um, so it was, it was an awesome experience um, because of you're not only having to raise the capital for the first time, but this was our first project as well. So that's why I reached out to the other two partners uh, originally because they, they both had prior experience with rehabs. Um, so okay. if it was just us, it would have been, been awful. <laughs> it would have okay. been so much harder. <laughs> so, did, so your broker, did your broker and the other agent, did they bring the contractors into the deal? Okay. Yes. Yeah. They brought their prior contractors and that, that was huge. And it was a huge learning process for me because I kind of had an idea of how to run numbers, but as far as rehabs, um, but that really helped me learn, you know, what costs what essentially. Gotcha. Okay. So do you guys know what was the numbers on the deal? You know, so we can kind of wrap this deal up. What was the numbers? What was the acquisition amount? What was the um, rehab amount? And then a disposition, because I know you guys said that you were going to burr it. So kind of walk me through that. Sure. Yeah. So the purchase price was one, 130K. Um, I think we ended up putting about 70 into it after it was all said and done. So we, I think we did have to come out of our pockets a little bit. Um, okay. So I think 70 we put in total. And then it, um, it actually appraised. So we were trying to get it to be appraised for like 300 it appraised for 230 the first go around and we oh, were wow. like so scared we're like oh my how are we going to pay the how are we going to pay our family friend back like this is a disaster yeah, like couldn't yeah. believe it and um that's when it's just you know just don't just don't take the uh, the first no for an answer so we threw that um that bank out of the out of the mix got a new lender involved and it came back with the appraisal of i think 330 so over what we wanted Wow. Um, which was awesome. Yeah, we were, we were so pumped. And uh, so we got on the, on the cash out, got all our money back. I think even plus, plus some, we maybe, maybe made one or two grand each. So we were able to pay okay. that, um, pay our family friend back. And, um, you know, now, now the thing is a cash flow monster. The, the neighborhood's gotten even better. And um, that really proved the model for us um, okay. that, you know, the bird the method is very powerful. So you guys are still holding on to the property, which is good. Okay, so that sounds like a good deal, man. Um, it's the good thing about it is, you know, you didn't take that first appraiser's appraisal because that's a big difference from three thirty to two. What two thirty? Two thirty. Yeah, right? that's hundred. hundred k. Yeah. Hundred yeah. grand discrepancy in the freaking <laughs> appraisal. Couldn't believe it. Yeah, we fought him. We it was bad. It was really bad. Um, yeah, we were really happy that we had the time to do to, you know to get uh, the second appraisal because we had I think a year with our family friend to get their money back to them. So thankfully we had enough time. Thankfully everyone had the same mindset of like well, let's get a new appraisal because this is just awful. Wow. Um, so yeah, really happy with that decision. That and that just good. It goes to show, like, don't take no for an answer the first time, or you know, always try try other methods to get stuff done. Because yeah, a hundred k difference. <laughs> That's sweet. That's sweet. So you guys, it's a three unit. What are you getting for rent um, there? Total rent is I think twenty eight fifty, yeah, two thousand eight hundred fifty, and then our uh, PITI is about I want to say sixteen hundred. 
So right, cash so flow is pretty well. Yeah, you guys got some cash flow coming in. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like a successful deal. So what did you do? How did you parlay that deal? What did you guys do next? So that did take about a full year. So that was like uh, late summer 2017. We didn't really finish up until um, late summer 2018. So we didn't do too much else um, in between that. I bought a few other things, about two other things with a different partner. Um, we basically just wholetailed those um, in okay. the meantime. And I was just still doing my agent stuff. So hold on, you know, go, regular back, transactions. go back, go back. Mm-hmm. You glossed over. So you hotel. What is hotel for those who don't know? So hotel, it's kind of like wholesaling where you're still um, getting a property at a, at a discount from a motivated seller. So both of these sellers had um, squatters in their properties. Couldn't deal with them anymore. They were tired of these properties. A guy, a guy that I met through the business, uh, he has his own title company. He's older. He knew that they were good deals, but he didn't want to deal with the evictions either. Mm-hmm. So he was like, John, if you want to um, you know, get these people out, let's partner on these. So I was like, yeah, sounds good. That's one thing that I had was time and the resources. You know, he didn't want to put the time in um, and didn't deal with the situations. So we, he put up the capital. We settled on those properties. And then I went through the motions of getting the people out. One was super easy. I actually just showed up and they left. They left on their own. I think they <laughs> knew that the, prop- they knew the property was uh, transferred to a new owner and they didn't want to deal. So they left on their own. Okay. Super easy. The other one was total opposite. The guy was like extremely rude. He was awful. Um, and he, we didn't feel bad because he was just, he wasn't actually living there. He just wanted, uh, he would just go there to sell drugs and stuff, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we went through the whole legal process, which was cool to learn from my first time doing it um, and got him out. So yeah, we, we did formally settle on those properties. As soon as we got the squatters out, we just listed them, um, you know, on mm-hmm. the MLS and uh and got buyers and then you know made the uh, made the difference made the profit so the um the lender naturally brought the cash to to the deals for those okay sweet sweet uh-huh. um so how did you find those deals how did you guys find those deals were they you did some marketing what happened those just kind of fell into uh fell into our lap so that was that my um my buddy who owns a title business I think he had a previous relationship with these people. Um, so like I said, we didn't do much outbound marketing for them. They just kind of happened to, you know, a phone call. Hey, I got this property. I don't really want, do you want it? Um, so that just kind of goes to show like okay. just your net, your network and uh, just knowing people. Yep. Absolutely. Network is very big. Networking is very big guys. So uh-huh. how did brotherly love get started? Um, and what are you guys doing currently right now? So let's see, probably circa January 2018, I think is when John and I, that's probably shortly after we finished that burr, that first deal, the triplex that John just talked about. Mm-hmm. We're like, all right, proof of concept, this works. Let's see what else we can do. And I'd say the biggest mindset shift for me, which I've heard other people say on, on real estate podcasts is, we, you know, especially with, with wholesaling and stuff too, it's, we're in the marketing business, you know, and the product happens to just be houses versus something else. And once that switch in my head turned, then I think John and I kind of brainstormed together. All right, let's ramp up marketing. Cause that's the one thing we don't have right now is another deal. So, uh, from there, this is at the time I'm still working that same job that I was working at the time, but I was, uh, I work from home on Fridays, which is lucky. Okay. So I was cheating on my uh, my day job <laughs> a little bit, and uh, we pulled some lists together from. Uh, I think we started off with the tax foreclosure list in Philly, which is on a public website and pretty easy to pull. So we pulled that and we skip traced it. Okay. And this is, I think, the first time we both ever skip traced as well. So we we're kind of just first starting off with these pillars that help scale up your your business. Mm-hmm. And I would, on Fridays when I was at home, I would call these people in Philadelphia from California. And if they were interested or were open and willing to entertain an offer, I would schedule either a, a scheduled call or an in-person meeting for John and he would go and check it out. Okay, perfect, perfect. So how, was, how successful was that? What did you guys, what was the fruit that you guys got from that? 
I'm not sure if we got any deals within those first, we probably did it for about three or four months or so, but we were gaining traction. So that's okay. when we knew, all right, if we're, we're calling these people, they're receptive. A lot of them are, they don't want to sell right now. Yeah. And you know, we kind of move past those leads, but a decent amount are, are open to at least considering an offer. So John and I were kind of at max capacity with our workload because he's doing other aids and stuff on the side to try and pay the bills. And I'm doing this job on the side to pay the bills and, and all that. So I think at that point we were like, let's bring someone in. Let's see if we can scale this up and have someone help us out with this. And uh, I think it was May of 2019. So May of last year, we brought on our first virtual cold caller for the business. And I think that's probably when we decided like, all right, we're calling this brotherly love real estate. Let's give this a full shot. We have someone who we're paying to help us out and do right. this. Like let's, we're a team. Let's make it happen. Let's see what we can do. Okay. And then, so brotherly love is now operational. It's running. Uh, tell me about this nine unit building that you guys came across or this other multifamily you guys came across. So it wasn't a nine unit building, but last year we, uh, as with, within all of our transactions, we bought a total of nine units. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Yep. So you did nine transactions last year up and going. Um, so what are you seeing right now, guys, with, with the state of affairs in the real estate market and the world period, how are you guys pivoting? What are you guys doing to try and, you know, stay relevant? and keep food on the table. It's an interesting time, um, for sure. So a lot of it is education. Um, I love uh, podcasts and just um, blogs and stuff. So I'm just really interested in what other people are doing. Um, so that's number one, is just trying to figure out what everyone else is doing. And then also just leveraging technology as much as possible. So I know a lot of people will invest in wholesale virtually anyway, regardless of this mm -hmm you know, world pandemic. Um, so if they're able to do it that way, you know, there's no reason we can't too. Um, we do usually like the, you know, belly to belly meetings, especially with Philadelphia, it's a little bit older of a demographic. So they do like, you know, knowing who they're selling the property. Yeah. Right, exactly. So um, it's interesting kind of getting away from that, but yeah, they're trying to leverage technology as much as, much as uh, possible right now. Okay. And then, and John, being an agent, are you seeing any um, transactions falling out of escrow due to the pandemic, due to coronavirus? Uh, a little, yeah, a little bit. So I had a couple closings last week. Two of them went, and the other one's kind of still in limbo. Hasn't totally fallen out of escrow yet, but I'm not sure if it's going to happen. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Have you in, uh, you're in Phoenix, right? Have, have, you, yeah, have you seen so, that? So we work with our brokerage is working with, you know, a lot of iBuyers and mm. here, I mean, naturally they had like a thousand or 1100 canceled contracts, you know, due wow. to everything that's going wow. on. So right now lenders, we're seeing lenders pull back a little bit. I had three escrows scheduled, you know, for actually I had one I was supposed to close last week, one that's supposed to close next month and one in may and all three of them are kind of in limbo you know luckily i just had one close right before you know everything shut down because i virtual wholesale so this was in chicago and right now i have three that's up in limbo you know that i potentially could be making almost 75k on so wow. crossing my fingers you know <laughs> that some of these lenders pull through and come on through you know so i got quite a few of them extended, but that's why I was kind of, kind of asking because we're seeing some lenders pull back, you know, a little bit, especially private lenders because of the uncertainty, you know, in the markets. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. The, the two that I closed a few weeks ago, those were um, actual cash. So they had cash, cash buyers. The one that's in limbo right now is using a private lender. That's yeah, exactly what you just said. I'm seeing the most of is the private lending world really scaling back. Um, yep. yep. All right. So guys, we're going to take a brief break. And then when we come back, we'll start wrapping up the podcast. We'll get into some of our, some of our fire round questions. PropString is the industry's number one tool for locating distressed properties and connecting with highly motivated sellers with hundred percent coverage across the U S 
PropStream provides a deep dive into any property-specific details, making it easy to generate lists of distressed properties and contact to the owners. No other product or service can compare. Gain access to MLS property details like expired listings. You can pull accurate comps, even sale prices in non-disclosure states. This information is typically reserved for licensed real estate professionals, but is also available to you in PropStream. Gain access to unlimited nationwide property search, comparable home sales, targeted marketing lists, and owner contact lookup, built-in marketing tools, hundreds of filters to search and sort leads. Start your free seven-day trial now by going to proud.propstreampro.com slash we love All right, coming back. So I know we talked about the market uncertainty and everything like that. So what are you guys, I know you guys said you're doing some education and you're planning for what's next. Kind of what do you think that those plans may look like? Because I mean, everyone in the nation right now don't know if it's going to be three months, six months, you know, they're talking about a year before vaccine is, is prepared. So I mean, in the state of affairs, what strategies are you guys kind of thinking about, you know, to, to, to move forward? Yeah, it's a good question. And I don't know if there's one direct right answer because it's such a weird time that we're all right. experiencing right. right now. But um, one thing that John and I, and we had a kind of like a, a leadership meeting between us just to figure out what direction we want to take our business. So we're just taking it in small chunks at this point, almost week by week to decide what we want to do. Uh, mm -hmm. In terms of trying to ramp things up, we just asked ourselves, what can we still positively affect with everything going on? And one thing was our, our cash buyers list. Yep. Um, just since that's, it's not really a hard sell, you're just connecting with cash buyers and saying, hey, if you're in the market or trying to buy real estate, that's what we're doing is try to, trying to sell real estate. So that's one thing that you can kind of, you can still work on. Yep. Uh, and have it not be too pushy or too in your face, especially at a time when everyone's so scared. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did a um, I did a video last week because I do these two minute meetups. So, and that was one of the things that I talked about is here's some of the things that you can still remain productive during you know this quarantine. And that was one of the things that I said. I said, hey, you know what? Pick up your phone, start contacting your cash buyers, and just let them know that you're still working and find out if they're still buying, you know, cause some of them, you know, they don't know, Hey, if I do a fix and flip, you know, is this thing going to sit on the market for the next seven, eight months, you know? So it's just, just touching bases with them and finding out exactly what they're doing and, and what you, what service you can provide for them. So that's absolutely right, Alex. That's one of the things that we're doing as well. Um, so guys, let's kind of, Going to our hot seat question. So I am going to put Alex and John on the hot seat. So um, I'll toss this one first to you, Alex. Starting over, what would you do differently? Hmm. I would not be afraid about other marketing channels. I think I mentioned that earlier, but um, you know, you find one way that might work a little bit, and that's great. But like you said, Marcus, things change so quickly, especially with technology now. And there's a lot of people doing a lot of different creative things out there. Mm -hmm. So I would just say, keep your mind open to any kind of marketing, try and master, you know, a couple don't get too widespread at first, yeah. but um, just be open to everything in terms of that. So let, let me ask you this, Alex, what was, what was your fear in doing a different marketing approach? It was, I was stymieing myself just because I didn't know about it. It was, it was almost more like laziness, I think, than fear. Probably a little bit of fear too. But um, okay. I think I got hit so hard when I sent out, you know, those a bunch of mailers out here in California and didn't get a return yep. that anything that cost money just totally scared me. Yep. So I kind of avoided it. And, and you know what, Alex, honestly, and I know this is supposed to be the hot seat, but <laughs> that was a good topic that you brought up because a lot of newbies go through that. You know, they have a little bit of money. Let's just say if they start out with $2,000, they send out direct mail or they do some cold calling and then they get a deal. They close that deal and then they say, okay, well, let me do it again. And then nothing happens. And then immediately that fear sets in, wow, I just wasted, you know, $4,000 or I just wasted $3,000 or $10,000 
you know, on mail or on marketing or whatever. And then they just stop, you know, and it's that one hit wonder is what I call it. You get in, you get that one deal, make the money, and then we never hear from you again. So guys, remember, continue to market no matter how desperate the situation is. You're not going to get any new deals, you know, unless you do some, some marketing. So John, tell me what's your greatest commodity outside of capital? I would have to say my partner, Alex, you know, I would not be in the position I am now uh, if it wasn't for him, just because he's, you know, he's the one who started me in this process anyway with the, Hey, read rest dad, poor dad. And yep. uh, you know, since then it's, uh, it's been a beautiful partnership. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be anywhere where I am now without him. Okay. And it sounds like, sounds like Alex know how to raise money too. He know how to spend it and raise it. (laughs) 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 Yep. Keep it flowing. So this is to any one of you guys. What is one thing that you could do to be more productive? I started getting up earlier. I think that's a huge difference just because the phone's not ringing. um, No one else is awake bothering you and you can really just hammer out, you know, whatever you want to get done from 5.30 to 7. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. And then what drives your ambition for brotherly love? What keeps you guys going? I'd say it ties back to the big why. And like I said at the beginning, John and I are fortunate. We share that same big goal and big why of why we're doing this. So during the, the 12, the 14, the 16-hour days, if you don't have something that's going to push you to that 17-hour day, which is just insane to do, but, you know, we have to do it mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, yeah, that's it. It's the big why. And for us, that's, again, just freedom and more time. Okay. So you guys got started with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. What's one of the latest, greatest real estate or business books that you've read? I like Traction. Um, I know Alex has read Traction as well. That's been huge for our business. Um, as far as goal setting, uh, Alex, do you have a new one? Um, yeah, I got it off my bookshelf today, but this is the last real estate book I read. It's one of the bigger pockets books. It's on tax strategies. So okay, uh, I, taxes are kind of a, a, a bear to jump into if you're not interested in taxes and how that stuff works. I'm not, but, uh, especially at a time during this when like a lot, a lot of stuff is changing in terms of regulations yeah. with the government and taxes and the time that you can file is pushed back, all that stuff. It's at least a relevant time to read about it. Uh, and that book was pretty, it breaks it down in a lot of simple ways of how you can save money, deductions, stuff like that. So uh, that's also a way you can Perfect. continue your, your education. If you're locked down is read about taxes. Yeah. What, what was the, the title that was? Um, savvy investors, something tax, savvy tax, tax strategy. strategies for the savvy real estate investor. Gotcha. Okay. And then um, what's one thing an inspired investor can do now to get started? Although it is a little shaky times, what, what's, what's something that, a, that an inspired investor can do right now to get started? What do you guys think? Education. I mean, yeah, it's one of those things if you really physically can't go outside right now, you may as well just educate yourself. Books, podcasts. Um, yeah. Very true. Very true. Okay. And then what is, what is one thing you guys want to leave with our listeners? So this is the final word. What is that final word you want to give to inspire somebody getting started? I would say don't, don't give up. And you really have to believe that to your core. Every single person who's made it in anything has probably hit a couple of roadblocks along the way. It's going to happen. There's no way to avoid them, no matter how much prep you do. I would just encourage people to not be afraid to fail. And as long as they have that drive to just never give up and be okay with having a really crummy day because of whatever happens, uh, they'll, they'll keep going. You, know, you just got to take the bumps along the road as they come, but don't give up and you'll get to where you want to be. Perfect, perfect. So guys, wrapping up, um, how can we reach you? How can we get involved? How can we find um, John and Alex and Brotherly Love? Twitter handles, emails, Facebook pages. If, if somebody want to get some more information about Brotherly Love, you guys. John, you're on social, right? Yeah, so my Instagram, I'm not on uh, Twitter or anything, but uh, my Instagram is 
property John and John is J A W N. It's a Philadelphia uh, jargon kind of kind of deal. So I took the the play on John and J O N my name and um, John the, the the jargon thing. So property okay. John. So property John. Um, all right, yep. guys. Well, I really appreciate it. I appreciate the time you guys have some very interesting stories, inspiring stories. You guys wholesaling, raising capital, you know, doing birds. So lastly, what's next? Just trying to buy more, trying to buy more units just to get to that financially free goal. Um, yeah, it's a difficult time right now to buy just because of, you know, ARVs in the air, private lenders are, you know, uh, pulling back. So, um, but just getting our name out there more and more, um, connecting with sellers. So when this time does lift, you know, we'll be, uh, we'll be right there. All right, guys. So again, I want to thank you, Alex and John with Brotherly Love Real Estate Investing out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. If you need more information about the guys, um, they do have a website. So you can Google Brotherly Love Real Estate Investors and uh, Instagram at Property John. All right. Yep. Thank you for another episode of the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. And we will see you guys next week. Signing off. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.